Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic, Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And today we're talking Minute 57 of Predator. Minute 57 opens with Ponchito saying, The jungle that came alive and took him. And ends with Mac saying, Mac! Mac! <laughs> same kind of moon, same... And that's how the minute ends. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Ellipsis. Mm. We got some uh, We got some talking here, John, yeah. in this minute. Another dialogue-heavy minute amongst the team. It's a great little uh, heads-together scene while they're trying to sort out what's going on with them, who their attacker is. They don't quite go into a plan of action yet, but they're all starting to come to some kind of realization about what's befalling them. Yeah. Don't you feel like Billy kind of drops the mic in this one? Oh, Billy totally drops the mic. If he had a mic, he would have dropped it right before he walks off and not looking He'd at anybody. He'd that shit straight out and just <laughs> drop that right on the stage. <laughs> oh, crap, Billy. What's, what's, what's got you so spooked, you know? <laughs> what's got Billy so spooked? What's got Billy so spooked? <laughs> Oh man. Um yeah, we get lots of dialogue here. Uh we are kind of deeping or deeping, deeping. diving deeping, diving deep into the psyche of these characters and mm-hmm. um and we're going to get a little window into uh our good friend Mac. Mac. As he begins to perhaps start losing his mind a little bit. Maybe talking to dead people? Yeah, maybe <laughs> just a little. We'll get there, yeah. but uh, yeah, we'll poor Mac there. is uh, on a bit of a downward spiral yeah. starting soon. Poor Mac. Poor Mac. Uh, Mac. 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 Uh, so, should we jump right in? Uh, this uh, carries over from last minute and goes straight into dialogue. So, do we want a little description here, or should we just jump right into the uh, dramatic line read? What do you think? Uh, sure, and we can always just talk about the action, basically... Uh, there's only the one line of action we really have to talk about where uh, Billy stands up in the middle, looks at Ponchito, and then says his last line and walks away. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we can totally split up the lines. If we're working backwards, you have to take Dutch because it's in your contract. Spooked. And that means <laughs> I'll be Dylan. 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 <laughs> That's more accurate. Yeah. Dylan. 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 Um, I'll be desperate Ponchito and you can be Billy. How about that? Okay. So I'm Billy and Dutch. Dutch. Billy. I like that. I'm, I'm ready. To... <laughs> Billy. I'm ready to be Billy. I was practicing Billy's lines. <laughs> uh, okay. Are you ready to go? So to, oh, set, yeah. to set the stage, we, we should probably set the stage maybe a little bit. Sure. So car- carrying over from last minute, we get the... <laughs> Very end of Poncho's sentence. Mm-hmm. If you recall, at the end of last minute, he said, she says the same fucking thing. She says the same fucking thing. He's describing what Anna Anna has uh, <laughs> told them. <laughs> and uh, so this transitions into a little kind of three-way conversation between Poncho, Billy, and, uh, well, four-way, Dylan mm-hmm. and Dutch. Four-way. Yeah, so all, all, ooh, nice. all four of them get in there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, um, all right. Is that good? That's good for me. She says the same fucking thing. The jungle that came alive and took him. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Poncho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. 
There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. Stands up. We're all gonna die. Walks off. <laughs> we see Dylan's face. Man's losing it. He's losing his cool. There's nothing but a couple of guys running around out there, and we gotta take him down. You still don't understand, Dylan, do you? Dylan! Dylan! <laughs> Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper, and now it wants us. And scene. Mm. Nicely done. Yes, nicely done. I find it's really hard. I thought it'd be easier for me to capture Ponchito, his emotions right here, but it is hard because he's like, you know, like we talked about before, he's running the gamut of like desperate and scared. And right here, he just wants answers from Billy. He's like that nervous kid who just like has to keep asking people like, well, what's going to happen next? And like, what are we doing tomorrow? What are we doing next Monday in class? What are we doing next Tuesday? Like, right. he just, just he... calm down. We're all <laughs> looking at the kid and go, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Right. <laughs> Whoa. He's delivering his lines with kind of his teeth clenched. Mm. You know, if you if you look like he's you know, you know something. What is it? You know, like his <laughs> mouth is kind of closed as he says it. Yeah, you're right. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Pancho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. And uh which kind of just gives off the impression of like you said, desperation, urgency, like answer like answer someone answer my question like mm-hmm. what is going on here no one and it's it's the fear it's the fear coming through of him realizing that no one really knows mm-hmm. and when it cuts back over to billy and billy says i'm scared poncho doesn't want to believe it right that, that that's his response bullshit you ain't afraid of no man mm-hmm. like he doesn't want to believe that poncho is scared because if poncho is scared they're all fucked. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> right? Billy is scared. Excuse me. Yeah, if Billy is scared, then they're all they're all fucked. Because, oh yeah. Like he's the one that is always calm, cool, and collected, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Bill, Billy's not just scared; he's resigned to die. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what's crazy yeah. is that is that when he looks away from Poncho and looks up into the jungle and so matter of factly says, "We're all gonna die." We're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. And just walks off, just drops the mic and walks off. Mm-hmm. Like there's no hesitation in his sentence. He just knows it's going to happen. Yeah. And it, it would have been interesting to see Ponchito's face in reaction to we're all going to die. Cause he's looking, I think right at Ponchito as he's, he's saying it. You think maybe if you're watching this for the first time, he's looking Ponchito, he's going to say something more reassuring. Like, well, we're going to take this thing on. Instead he looks at him just, just says, we're all gonna die. So there's gonna die. there's there's no reassure reassurance here. So I would love to see uh, Ponchito's face. It would probably just drop, maybe like in a sad moment. He's, he's crying or something like that, or fighting back yeah. tears. Maybe I don't want to see that. I changed my mind, Jeff. I don't. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to see a man. But but it could just be like a that. you know mouth agape sort of disbelief. Right. I don't know. Like uh, as an as as an audience member watching this film. Don't we kind of isn't isn't Poncho kind of taking the role of the audience here? Mm-hmm. He wants like he's answers. the one, right? We want he answers. wants answers. We we in the audience want answers. When we turn to Billy for them, we don't get any answers. We only get this premonition that we're all going to die, mm-hmm. and we're all, including the audience members, filled with doom. Yeah, this, this terrible, yeah. terrible doom, despair, dread, and yeah. it's it's not often a character is just going to calmly tell the rest of the team that. 
we're all going to die. You might have like people freaking out like, game over, man. Game over. (laughs) Game over, man. Bill Paxton and aliens. Game over, man. It's game over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be normal. The normal route, I think, for people running into their doom is is they're doing it in a panicked way, not in a resigned way. (laughs) Right. And that's what makes Billy's comment so chilling Mm -hmm. is that it's not panicked. It's not a freak out. It's very calm and matter of fact mm-hmm. and it's hard not to believe him when he says it yeah and, and to that point this is the third member of the team for Clooney, including if we're including anna anna that is <laughs> explaining some something different about their enemy more so than the average mm. enemy where anna anna saying is saying the jungle came alive mac is saying that go ahead mac Okay, oh, anyway. Mac, Mac, Mac! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. I dropped the ball there. My yeah. bad, everybody. No, no, no. no. Sorry. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll not edit around that. So the Mac says he saw the glowing eyes and that Mac. Mac. he tried to fire several hundred rounds. Should have been several thousand rounds from Old Painless. Didn't hit mm, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here's the third strike. Billy, it ain't no man. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. And I think this is what is turning Dutch into a believer. Well, Dylan is still the skeptic, but Dutch's line is clearly buying into the hypothesis that yeah. <laughs> he's building from well, the evidence. And and Dylan is is uh, Dylan. in den- <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. Dylan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Love it. You don't you get the sense, <laughs> don't you get the sense that Dylan doesn't even believe his own words? Yeah, the way he's like, talking like, and like he's like delivering his lines super quick and just man's losing. He's losing his cool. There's nothing but a couple of guys running around out there, and we've got to take him down. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He he says it fast, all aggressively. Um, the way right, the way someone who knows they're lying is trying to convince someone else of something. Right. You know? Like, he's trying to calm everybody else down, but he seems to be the one who's kind of panicking right here. Like, right. everybody keep cool. That... Keep cool, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy that screams to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dutch is pretty calm here. Mm-hmm. He seems to be, yeah, just kind of following the lead of his team and specifically here following Billy's lead, just keeping calm, accepting the fate saying that whatever it is out there killed Hopper, referencing back to the first kill that we saw, um, mm-hmm. not on screen, but off screen, uh, where the skin bodies are hanging, and then he's saying it wants us. So he is uh, accepting that it's hunting them specifically. It's not just some willy-nilly attacker. It's someone who's honed in on them. And he, he doesn't necessarily call it extra human, or not extra human. He doesn't necessarily call it non-human. He just says whatever it is. So yeah, I, I think it's it's a definite clue that he's buying into um, what most of the team now is is say, is saying. Yeah, and he's taking on that role that he has been for a while now of kind of protector of, you know, father of the group. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't care what it is necessarily, but what he cares about is that it wants us, right? It killed Hopper now, and it wants us, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what matters to him. Is like his responsibility is the safety of the team. So Billy's scared. And thinks we're all gonna die. Dylan is in denial. Dylan, B- Dylan, Dylan. Poncho, Poncho, yeah. 
Poncho is desperate for answers, mm-hmm. uh, but all Dutch cares about is protection, mm-hmm. right? Understanding that whatever it is is after them, and his first priority is protecting the group. Yeah, and so hopefully he's coming up with a, a you know a Texas sized plan here to mm. protect themselves. We'll see. Cool. Well, a lot to unpack there in that short little conversation, but I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, and one thing that put in the notes is that uh, Billy explaining the impending doom on the team. You, you can't help but feel that the team is definitely in peril now that it's headed down this nonstop track to to Doomsville to Death City. Um, he's, yeah. he's he's playing the part here of a TV trope character. You could call the harbinger of impending doom, Mm. wherein there's a group of people. This is the TV tropes definition. There's a group of people held up in a building or a house somewhere partying, shopping, or just minding their own business. When all of a sudden there's some random injured and bloody guy slash girl who shows up giving an ominous message that someone slash something's trying to kill them and that it's following them. And you can change around some of the logistics here, but it's, a lot of the same framework is in place here where the team is gathered around. Uh, they're not mindlessly doing something else. They're very clearly mind focused on the mission, but the way Billy just, like you said, drops the mic here and yeah. the way Dutch follows up with that, it's after them, it completely fills in the, this description. And I wrote down some examples and um, hopefully some of those examples stood out to you because I know you're the horror fan. Yeah, this is very much a horror trope mm-hmm. and especially older horror films. You know, you go back to the seventies and eighties and um, in particular slashers um, or similar types of horror movies will have some character, some throwaway sort of character that is the, is the harbinger of doom. Um, I see a couple on your list there that I'm uh, very excited to uh, comment on. So what do we got? Uh, well, the first one that popped up in the TV tropes examples and really all, most of the TV tropes examples from movies were from horror movies. And I yeah. threw in a couple that weren't. No, I guess I only threw in the one on the list. That's not a horror movie and it wasn't even on the TV tropes list, but I'll talk about that one later but the first one that popped up was crazy ralph and the first two friday the 13th movies if you want to explain to the audience or remind them this is my favorite this is when when uh we first watched this minute before i even read your notes uh this popped to my mind uh as being because i i didn't have the phrase harbinger of doom in my head but this trope of someone kind of predicting the future of the movie came into my mind because it happens so often in uh horror movies but Crazy Ralph is from the first two Friday the 13th movies, and he's kind of beloved by fans of that franchise because of how over the top and ridiculous he is when he delivers his lines. In in the beginning of Friday the 13th, he's kind of this like towny, uh, kind of a country bumpkin, and uh, the kids are headed up towards the cabin, and he kind of he's at the general store or something, right? And. Uh, <laughs> And he says something like, they're, they say they're headed up there, and, he's, and he says, you're going to Camp Blood, ain't ya? <laughs> and I think the other character's like, God damn it, Ralph. And he's like, he's like it's got a death curse. <laughs> you're going to Camp Blood, ain't ya? God damn it, Ralph, get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. It's got a death curse. 
So you hear that that's been parodied many, many times. And that's where it comes from is you're going to Camp Blood, ain't ya? It's got a death curse. That's crazy, Ralph. And he later uh, shows up like at the camp. I can't remember if it's part two or part three. And like he like is a jump scare. Like the kids open the door at one point and it's crazy. Ralph is standing there and he's like, you're all doomed. You're doomed if you stay here. And walks. He just like walks through the house telling everyone they're doomed, walks out the back door and gets back on his bike or his car and drives away. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So uh, crazy Ralph. Yeah. Go go back and watch Friday the 13th uh, because they're fantastic. Uh, Part two, especially, but you'll see crazy Ralph. (laughs) It's got the death curse. It's got the death curse. (laughs) Going going to camp blood, ain't ya? (laughs) <laughs> I apologize to everyone else having to listen to my crazy Ralph impression, but it cracks me up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you did a mighty job. Um, mm. Aincha, aincha. Um, there is one that mentions one example mentions the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003. I didn't write mm. down the actual examples, so I've never seen it. Yeah, you're gonna have to mm. do some research on your own, there, listeners. John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 from 1976. There's someone in shock who approaches the precinct and he's trying to tell them about this murderous gang who's after him. He's just so in shock, though, he can't. And because they can't really heed that warning, right, they Mm. they come under attack or assaults on their precinct. So there's there's your... (laughs) Hence the name. Yeah, there's your... I I like that movie. I've only seen it once or twice, so I don't remember that particular part, but Mm. um, I I believe it. That is is definitely a movie worth worth a, a watch over some over some drinks for sure oh man dude that movie like what always i remember about it is the scene when there's a whole bunch of gunfire mm-hmm. talk about we talked about a couple minutes ago of like uh heavy like over what am i trying to say like over the top heavy gunfire <laughs> right right there's a scene in assault and precinct where the the police station takes on just a barrage of gunfire and the camera is just pointed at the inside of the precinct and like paper and, and like objects and stuff are flying off the table and it lasts for like a minute, like all these gunshots hitting everything and stuff's flying up in the air and pop, 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 pop and bullet holes and squibs blasting everywhere. It's such a cool scene and it goes on for such a long time. It's really impressive shot. It's what always sticks out to me when I think of that movie. Awesome. Well, what always sticks out to me from that movie is a couple things. One is how, John the Carver. girl getting shot when she's oh. eating ice cream. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's, that's I know. so oh my brutal. God. Like, what it's is such happening? a brutal part of that movie. She was just having ice cream. Oh. <laughs> but uh, the first thing that w- is how the attackers are just played as zombies, basically. They, don't, they never yeah. say anything. They never yell anything when they're hit. And they just swarm out of the sewers like zombies. Or uh, like another John Carpenter movie, like... I know I'm like we're really stretching here, but uh, Escape from New York when the crazies come out of the sewers, it's it's, right. it's like he's just repeating his own trope right there. And I appreciate that. I, I appreciate a good zombie swarm and the murderous gang fills that. But the the second part that that movie <laughs> evokes uh, memory wise is when the convict and the cop inside the precinct are having to draw straws for who's going out 
Like, oh yeah, they do yeah, yeah, some yeah. kind of like hand motion. It's not rock, <laughs> paper, scissors, but it's the only time I've ever seen it. And I never see it brought up by people like online. I think, I think you'd have to really know what to search for, but we're just have the movie in front of you and maybe break that down minute by minute. But they, they <laughs> I'll have to send you the clip and ask like, what are they doing here? I remember watching this with other co-host of the movie or, or other co-host of the podcast slash brother of the podcast, Aaron Zabriskie. We watched, we first watched that. And we just looked at each other and said, what were they doing? They're like, what were they doing? Like, it was like, they're playing some kind of hand game. Oh man, I got to watch that again. Cause I don't remember it's, that. It's and, really uh, brief and you miss it. Yeah. And it's never explained. It's never brought any attention to other than that. You know, that, the characters oh, are doing that to decide who goes out there, um, who goes under this, you know, out of the sewer and tries to, I think, start the car or grab some radio. I forget. If we don't flip a coin, let's do something else. What? Potatoes. Okay. I told you I'd lose. God damn it, we're going to do it again. Hey, hey, there wasn't time. All right, well, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, I'm due for a rewatch of that anyway, so yeah. I will look for it, for sure. Okay, so we're still running down our examples of Harbinger, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, yep, cool. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. I believe the Cabin in the Woods character is actually named Harbinger, and his real name in the movie is, yeah, it's awesome, is Mordecai, and that's what I always remembered this term from, was watching Cabin in the Woods where the guy is very much set up like a crazy Ralph where he's, he's not warning that, but let's, let's be clear in, in the movie. If you know, cabin in the woods, spoiler alert, it's set up so that all the forces of people and the way the, right, the trail is all set up or the road is all set up. It's meant to lead these teens to the cabin in the woods to be this sacrifice. And the Harbinger's not really do anything to dissuade them, but he is there to right. to to serve as a shady character on the road to where they're going. Um, going to the cabin in the woods, ain't ya? <laughs> it's got the blood curse. It's got the blood curse. It's got the death curse. <laughs> he, and he, he You're actually, all doomed. <laughs> hop on your motorbike and jet out of here or whatever. Ooh, that was a good one. Ooh, I, I like <laughs> that you. little Foley work. That was awesome. But uh, Har- Harbinger, or Morty as the office calls him when he calls them later, he actually does a little bit of warning of both the party of the kids and in a meta moment, he's warning the office uh, that's Citizen and I can't remember the other name, Waldorf or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Over yeah. the speakerphone. <laughs> and there's that whole comedy scene. But if you're paying attention to what Mordecai is saying, he's he's saying the the, you know, the dark ones or dark lords or whatever are, are watching and they know all. So let's not mess this up. We almost messed this up. And it's one mm-hmm. of those things because they don't give away that twist until a bit later about why they're doing this. So it's, it's right, one right. of these things that's meant for repeat viewings. And then you're saying to yourself oh that's why he's saying the things he's saying but they cut off that scene and he doesn't have the chance to go on anymore against the people in the office oh man that movie is so good i that's another one i need to i haven't watched that in probably like six or seven years mm. that's a good one i remember my wife and i went to go see that in the theater having no idea what it was <laughs> oh that's a, that's a perfect way to see that kind which of movie. was perfect yeah but yeah. i i was super confused because we had seen one preview 
it was at a moment in time when we were like, we were really into going to see scary movies in the theater at the time. Like mm -hmm. there were a lot of really good ones out at the time, like paranormal activity was coming out and like lots of these like pretty great, like indie uh, horror movies. So anyway, we're like, let's go see this thing. Cabin in the woods. I don't know what it's about, but it's called cabin in the woods. Sounds good. Right. Like when they do that title card drop, it's like almost like a jump scare mm -hmm. when just the two like office workers are walking down the path and it just like jump scares and goes bam cabin in the woods. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, what is this movie? This is not what I expected, but right. I, I had such a fun time. Once I, once I understood what they were doing and I was on, I got on board, I just, you know, sit back, kicked my feet up and was like, okay, I'll, I'll go on this ride. But it took me a minute to like figure out what was happening. Mm -hmm. um, and then upon repeat viewings, it just gets better and better. It's it's a movie that just has hanging lampshades left and right, and then it itself is a ferociously scary movie when it really kicks off in the the oh, yeah, third and a half act. And, yeah, you're just, you're just yeah. going whoa! Like it's just extreme, extreme, and and how it changes tunes from what you think is a traditional horror movie in the woods to uh, something. Uh, yeah. far more I don't know complex, satirical, and it's and terrifying meta. to me. Yeah, yeah, and very meta. Mm -hmm. And like, if you are a fan of the horror genre, um, you and you've never seen Cabin in the Woods, like, do yourself a favor, go watch that immediately. Um, it's such a love letter to horror movies. It's a, it's a great one. Yeah, no, it's it's. Yeah. I know it has its fans, especially amongst the horror community. There is a movies by minute podcast that breaks down Cabin in the Woods called Cabin Minute Cast, hosted by uh, Dharma and. Heidi let off some steam. Bennett. Bennett. <laughs> uh, nice. So I, I kind of laughed at seeing there because I I love inserting that little uh, little sound drop right there. <laughs> That's so funny. Hey everybody, this is Heidi. Let off some steam. Bennett. Uh, the the little uh, non horror example I put in the Harbinger of Impending Doom examples here was from Lord of the Rings. Mm. Uh, but if you think about who directed Lord of the Rings, there's some horror elements. Uh, Peter oh, Jackson, yeah. who did some fantastic, gory horror movies in the 80s and 90s, um, also directed the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And when they the party is in the Mines of Moria, they come across all these skeletons of dwarves who are killed in battle. They don't know what happened. The party has no idea how these dwarves fell until Gandalf comes across a text and he's reading through the text and he's reading exactly what happened, exactly what the dwarves heard when they were attacked by the orcs, uh, something mm. along the lines of drums in the deep. And then the last line on the text is they are coming. So in a way he's reading a harbinger's past writing about their imp hmm. impending doom. And then of course it being, a fantastic movie the same thing happens to the fellowship where they hear the drums and the orcs are coming for them too they have taken the bridge and the second hall we have barred the gates but cannot hold them for long the ground shakes drums drums in the deep Cannot get out. A shadow moves in the dark. You cannot get out. 
So it's like kind of a, a double harbinger. Nice. Yeah. Man, there's another there's another group of movies that I is probably due for a rewatch. Yeah. Um, I think we've talked about those before though. Like you put the extended editions on, you yeah. like just you just chill on your couch or in bed all day, watch those. I need to I need to get sick or something mm-hmm. so I can just be on the couch and like guilt free just like binge through all 12 hours of this yeah, exactly whatever it your is your whole yeah. day basically <laughs> i'm sick <Yeah>. today <laughs> uh, we've uh, my wife and i have done it before we had kids of course like we had some hungover sundays where it was mm. like let's just put on lord of the rings you yeah. know and you just like let it go and it's great um but it's been a long time since i've watched them through so mm. definitely worth a rewatch because they're so long okay yeah for sure <laughs> All right, well, should we get back to the minute here? Yeah, let's jump back to the minute. Wow, we really derailed that one for a harbinger of impending doom, but it was, it was <laughs> it's worth a fun it. Topic. You know? yeah, yeah, it's like, remember, this has turned into a horror classic, not just a sci-fi action movie. That's true. So it's our duty to find all the parallels, <laughs> all the tropes, all uh, the... Uh, duty. Yeah. <laughs> duty. <laughs> duty. Groovy. <laughs> but uh, here, our second part of the minute, the last 12 seconds or so um, we transition after the I was going to say after the Mac no after the camera <laughs> after the camera zooms into Dutch's face to end the first part of the minute uh, we fade to the shot of the moon up in the sky and then mm. Mac's face looking up at the moon holding his M60 machine gun and mm. uh, you hear the song Goodbye playing in the background which we talked about quite a bit um, a few minutes ago when Mac put the Flask, flask, flask. Uh, nah. on uh, Blaine's chest under uh, the poncho after <laughs> Blaine was killed. Yeah, and yeah, Mac is uh, just saying, "Here we are again, bro. Just you and me. Same kind of moon. Same dot dot dot. End of minute. And we'll pick that thought up back with next minute. We will. Uh, but uh, don't you get the feeling that we are about to? This is the beginning of Mac's kind of slow mental descent Mm -hmm. you think i I think so i think people would also point to right when blaine is killed mac is already losing it because he doesn't communicate like normal anymore this is a more intimate moment where he's not around anybody else and he's just kind of letting his emotions letting his uh fear his grief sort of take him over and uh this is what we see him just kind of talking to the sky Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, and this is going to uh, continue with his character. We'll talk more about it later, of course. But mm-hmm. um, poor Mac, he uh, Mac, Mac, Mac. He, he's gonna he's, he's losing it a little bit. Yeah, he's losing his it. His best friend just, has been killed. Yeah, best friend's been killed. He hasn't been able to take down the attacker or draw blood at all in his uh, in his mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, but I have, I have a couple little notes. I didn't have anything to add here because I'd rather save more of the Mac lines for later. Might as well just kind of repeat this next minute. Yeah, but this I is like, kind of like the beginning of a, of a different conversation we can have when we uh, have more time on it. But yeah. Yeah, I like your yeah, I like your description, your analysis of uh, his mental well-being and lack mm-hmm. thereof. Yeah, he's um, something bad's about to come. That's all I got to say mm-hmm. yeah. about Mac. Billy let us know. He did. Ain't, it ain't no man. <laughs> Uh-oh. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. Yeah. I guess we could have told you that because we saw the costume about a minute earlier. 
that's right it's, it's yeah cool cool extra sensory perception on you billy for knowing that it's no man it's like well done like you just somehow discern that like you're you're truly the the stereotypical mystical native in this yeah right movie. sorry <laughs> to say it's like oh bummer but hey he got it right what can you say billy was right have a shirt made of that there He's you go looking off in the distance holding his m16 with m20 no m16 with Mossberg 500 underbarrel <laughs> shotgun attachment. <laughs> you gun nerds, you know who gun you are. <laughs> nerds. But uh, there's well, a couple little notes about um, what McTiernan is saying and the script difference. Oh, yeah. I'll just yeah jump into the script difference first. And it is a doozy, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd I yeah. love to hear it. What you awesome. got? So in the script, Dutch is the one who notices that Billy is has not been right lately. Billy simply tells the team that we shouldn't be here. He doesn't really go into detail about it's not a man. He doesn't say we're all going to die. He just says we shouldn't be here. Then he looks at the team and says, can't you feel it? Mm. And I don't know what he's referencing to the can't you feel it. It must be just his extrasensory perception kicking in a lot as he's rubbing his talisman and trying to decide. Right. <laughs> just kind of saying like, don't, can't, don't you guys understand? Like this is, this isn't right. Something's not right here. Something's not right. He feels it and they can't feel it. But that's not the weird part. That's not the big deviation for the script. The, the deviation for the script is we cut right now to the Predator ship and we see some Whoa. skins, specifically Hawkins' skin, stretched out, hanging over some blue light and the Predator admiring it, looking it over in a very Jeepers Creepers kind of fashion, if you remember those wow. movies. I do. Uh, do you think Hawkins skin still have his glasses like on the skin? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And he'll be telling, trying to tell vagina jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a little uh, comic book <laughs> off to the side. Um, wait, why, wait, why'd you say that twice? I don't. <laughs> oh. Get it? <laughs> Get it? Oh, it's because of. <laughs> Oh, so so big it's because okay. of the echo. Because of the echo. <laughs> echo. Oh, so, oh, 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 oh. so I'm just gonna go ahead and read it because just simply sim um, summing up doesn't do it justice. All right. So please indulge the the reading of the original script, and it is it is pretty bat nuts crazy. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, I want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. Exterior hunters camp night. An open doorway, suspended above the ground as if leading from another dimension, floods the camp with an eerie aquamarine light. Well, I just noticed they misspelled eerie. Good job, brothers. Come on, guys. Anyway, nearby is an oval frame strung with fine wire. Over the frame is stretched the skin of Dylan. And it's not Dylan like in the movie. We've talked about this before. Hawkins in the original script was named Dylan. Mm. Okay. Strangely, this is not horrifying, inhuman, and chilling but not horrifying or no more so than seeing any other animal skins or hides so displayed. The hunter's hands, shadowy, nearly translucent, move toward the skin. He touches it gently as a man might stroke the hide of a leopard. To the hunter, these skins are a thing of beauty. He removes the skin from the frame and turns to the ship, approaching an open, approaching an open compartment. Lit from within, the compartment contains dozens of hides and skins Exotic alien creatures from other planets and solar systems, some covered with thorns and armor plate, while others are soft, delicate looking. Dylan's skin is placed on the top of the pile. The compartment closes. 
and that's the end of mm. yeah it really paints a picture of uh what the predator is doing right now with the skin with that were with specifically hawkins uh, skin i find this whole part this whole aspect of the original script kind of fascinating like mm-hmm. i think on the one hand i love the idea of getting a glimpse into the predator's ship i like when you when i hear the description or i hear you read that like i i'm into it like if i was reading a book like i want to know what that spaceship looks like you know what i mean like that mm-hmm. sounds cool to me. at the same time if they had tried to do that in 1987 in this movie i i don't know if it would have looked very good i don't know if it would have been very satisfying um, and it would have been a, a pretty big break from the rest of the visuals of this movie do mm-hmm. you know what i mean like, yeah the, the rest of this movie has been pretty darn realistic yeah, and to all of a sudden go like hard sci-fi, like where you're in a spaceship, the continuity there may not work. I, ultimately, I think they probably made the right decision, but uh, it's uh, fascinating to imagine what this movie would be like with those scenes added in. That's really interesting. Yeah, all the same, they show the Predator later on admiring trophies, but it's up in the trees. It's not in a spaceship. It's not in a camp. It's right. right it's still in this gory horror horror movie way uh, where the insights into the killer are really gruesome they're not uh meant to kind of cool down the action and make you learn something about the hunter the hunter here is all you're learning about in the movie is he's out to kill them and collect their skulls and that's ter- <laughs> that's still terrifying I like extra terrifying if uh, right, right. If not the same but yeah I, like like you i'm glad they didn't put it in um it, maybe it's a little bit of inspiration for Predator 2 at the end where you see the inside right. of the Predator so. ship. And at that point, yeah. it's totally appropriate. You're, you know, almost two movies in deep uh, to and it works. Predator and it works lore. in that setting. You're in like a city. The whole movie has been taking place in a cityscape. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel so jarring when they transition to the spaceship. I don't know why. Like it, maybe it's just the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. You know, that movie's kind of dark and shadowy. And so when they get to the spaceship it's also dark and shadowy and foggy you know like it it kind of works together i don't know how well it would have worked in the in the jungle i I agree it's too too much of a a hard cut to something completely different different, yeah and then you're all then you're just going to be thinking about that alien ship for the rest of the movie and how you want to see it fly around and do cool things and like is it going to take on a huey later Uh, it's like uh, it's probably raising the stakes above like the people we care about a little bit too much let's just keep it grounded yeah 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 so mctiernan has okay last last say uh, in our minute analysis he's talking about how when he directs movies a lot of times he'll have people talking back and forth in different languages and he says that he owes that to watching a lot of non-english speaking movies especially in his film school uh, and he without subtitles he would just watch them for what the um, people looked like when they said what they're saying and how they sounded when they were saying it. Cause to him that was conveying so much more than mm-hmm. just having to read. Cause so far we haven't seen any subtitles. We've just been trusting Ponchito or something or, or sometimes just not even knowing what's said um, like between Dylan and Anna, Anna in the camp. We, we don't learn what they're saying, but we kind of understand what they're saying when they're yelling at each other. Right. It's an interesting choice, but I think it's a smart one that, yeah, you're forced to just infer from 
their body language and their tone, what they're saying, which is kind of what the other members of the camp are forced to do. So it, it makes you like another member of this team that's watching this unfold. Not quite sure exactly what's happening. Like, I think it works. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Keeping it more mysterious still. Yeah. I don't understand what they're saying. It could be this. It could be that. They're giving away answers. I don't even know. Uh, some examples I wrote down that stood out to me were uh, in Hunt for an October, for instance. They're speaking Russian for the first part, and it zooms into Sean Connery's face specifically his mouth then when it zooms out the film just transitions to english make it easier for uh, us yeah uh, 13th warrior has a similar scene where antonio banderas is sitting around the camp i think he's like saudi arabian and he's like uh, there as their scribe or something like that with a bunch of like nordic warriors and he's not understanding a word they're saying until however many nights into their trip. And then all of a sudden, like it zooms into their faces and whatever language they're speaking, when it zooms out, they're speaking English for him to understand. And of course, for the audience to understand. So there's another language change. Die Hard 1, obviously with the different languages spoken by the terrorists, especially like my favorite, the shoot the glass scene. Yeah, He's like yelling at them in German, which I thought was their language, but they're not understanding. And so he's saying, shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. Uh, and then Die Hard 3, of course, is more terrorist-speaking European right. languages. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I love Die Hard 3. Yeah. That's 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 a good one. It's a good yeah. one. Also, yeah. Also Die Hard 1. And also two. Die Hard 1. And, yeah, and 2. Might as well. <laughs> Why not? Ooh, well, we we just went off this minute. This is a good dialogue-heavy minute, and we sure appropriately fitted a lot of dialogue to it. i got to do recommends. Yeah, do you have something to recommend? I'm going to do the classic thing. Well, me go first. Like, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, I recommend something I haven't seen yet. <laughs> I know what it's going to be. Do you? You're going to see a comic book movie. It, uh, it's a comic book show. Oh, never mind. Well, sort of. The Boys. Are you recommended that? No, you already recommended that. It's uh, okay. So one of my favorite horror movies of all time is the early '80s Stephen King slash George A. Romero anthology called Creep Show. Mm. One of my favorite horror movies of all time. Sure. Uh, Creep Show is being reimagined by the streaming service Shutter, and Shutter has started to branch out into their own original content. And they are, as of I believe it's tonight releasing the first episode of a TV series that they've produced called Creep Show, where every episode is a different horror story. So the, the show itself is sort of an anthology show. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I've been super excited about this ever since it was announced. Um, and it's finally here. So sometime this weekend, I'm going to check it out. I've uh, heard good reviews from people that have seen it already. Um, Lots of, apparently lots of good practical effects, staying true to the original film. Um, And I just, I love anthologies in general. I love the format. I like short horror stories. I've always even liked like Stephen King's um, books of short stories. So it's just a format, a style of, of horror movie that I really enjoy. So I've been really excited for this. Haven't seen it yet. I think it's going to be awesome. So check it out. Let me know what you guys think. 
Cool. Yeah. Good recommend. On Shutter. And it's just called Creep Show, right? Creep Show the series on Shutter. Yep. Recommending something I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> what you uh, got I'll, for? I'll recommend a new video game called Borderlands Three. Oh, I've heard good things. Yeah, I, ex- I, ex- I expressed this excitement a few weeks ago uh, in anticipation. The original Borderlands came out in 2009, and then the sequel came out in 2012. And I just ate both of those video games up, just played those to the max, explored them to the max. And now the third one finally came out, made by some of the same people, but like a lot of the creators from the original two games um, are not on Borderlands 3. However, I will say if you like Borderlands 1 and 2, then Borderlands 3 just feels like a sequel feel to those appropriately. It feels like an extension mm. to those where it <clears throat> expands on a lot of the mythology, introduces new weapons and new characters, uh, new vault hunters, new abilities, much like you'd expect a Borderlands game to do. And... Um, yeah, so don't believe like the user scores. The user scores are terrible. If you look at Metacritic, it's about half of the critic scores. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure why that is. A lot of the um, critic scores, or a lot of the user scores seem to be lacking any kind of real meat for people to complain about. Uh, it's mm. more technical things, which um, I don't really hold against the game. If you can figure out how to run it, then... Uh, you should be in the clear. So, I, I highly recommend. I highly recommend Borderlands Three. Uh, it's on PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and I play on PC, uh, and it runs really well on a four or five year old PC that I built here. <laughs> nice. Um, where can people find you, Jeff? Online. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, capital K Carl underscore Hungus three one four. Come find me on the Twitters. My name is Carl been expert. Jeff awesome. Glover tweeting about lots of Seahawks a disappointment this week. Oh yeah, Found we're going to check back in. I I saw they lost oh. Oh, to boy. the Saints. Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, it, if you get me started, I might uh No, no, you're right. That's that's a separate that's a separate podcast. Yeah. Uh <laughs> let's just say we need to make some coaching adjustments, some play calling adjustments. It was also a fluky game. Fumbles mm. and Defensive scores, special team scores. It was a weird one. It's it's not every day that Russell Wilson puts up over 400 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and we lose the game. Mm. So it was a strange one. But uh, we can we can pull it back together. I think we'll be okay. But uh, it was a tough one to swallow, huh. well, especially they, at home. Yeah. yeah. I hope they turn around. I hope they don't have the death curse. Oh, are you going to Camp Blood, ain't ya? <laughs> The Los Angeles Rams have the death curse. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can also find Predator Minute on Twitter. All at, right. At Predator Minute. <laughs> <laughs> you can email. Uh, all your Seahawks questions to PredatorMinute at gmail.com. Mm. Yes, you and can. you can come share your own harbingers of impending doom on the Predator You're Minute. doomed. <laughs> on the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. On Facebook for all your Predator needs. Mm-hmm. And if it needs, 
We can kill it. We can kill it. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. Don't think about it. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> so for Predator Minute, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. And until Dylan. next Dylan. <laughs> until next time. Stick around. Stick around. We're all Dylan. gonna die. We're all gonna die. We're all gonna die. Dylan. 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 ¿Qué más quieres que te diga? She says the same fucking thing. You ain't afraid of no man. You ain't afraid of no man. <laughs> he sounds kind of like putting on Scared a brave. Nah, I listened to that a couple more times. He sounds kind of brave, a fake brave when he says, "Yeah, you ain't afraid of no man. You ain't afraid of no man. You ain't afraid of no man." Kind of like shows some bravery in that moment. Good for you. Yeah, maybe Pancho. Poncho's not backing down. Nah. You ain't afraid of no man. I'm scared, Poncho. I'm scared, Poncho. I can We're dig all it. gonna die. We're all gonna die. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Poncho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man.